everyone. Welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And today we have a special guest with us, Dr. Seren. So Dr. Seren, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell the audience a little bit about what you do and where you're located. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited. I'm so glad that you ladies are out there speaking about nutrition and lifestyles, which is so important. It affects everything we do. Thank you. I'm Charlene St. Seren Lord, and I'm a board certified dermatologist. I'm originally from New York City and came out here to the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia area to attend Howard University. I just found myself calling this area home and I absolutely love it. Dermatology was not my first thing. I thought I was going to be a cardiologist. Hmm. Yeah. I, oh, really? I did. I was a drug rep for Merkin Company, pharmaceutical company. I started out there with, with vaccines and vaccine manufacturing. And then I went on mm-hmm. to pharmaceutical sales and selling those cardiovascular drugs. I knew that was the thing for me. And then came a peek at dermatology and I fell in love and that was all she wrote. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. I mean, I had the worst acne of my life that got worse during Uh. medical school. And so dermatology for me was also my passion came from that. And it was also personal. And I get into dermatology and you're like, hey, this is a study of skin, hair and nails. Oh, even better. And I then became a hair specialist because I was inundated with patients with hair loss and and Mm -hmm. We know today hair loss is actually, it's epidemic in Black women. And so, Mm. oh yeah, epidemic and all different types of hair loss because we'll hear the word alopecia. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know alopecia, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So alopecia, the word itself means hair loss. So it's not a specific Mm. diagnosis. So you come to the dermatologist, let's say somebody comes to see me and they say, well, I was diagnosed with alopecia. And I say, okay, that's nice. Let me look at your scalp. And it's the type of alopecia that you have. So it could be scarring. It could be non-scarring. It could be inflammatory, non-inflammatory. And we take, I mean, each column, like let's say scarring versus non-scarring, you can find like at least 10 to 15 different alopecias under those titles alone. And my Mm -hmm. job is to determine what type you have and work on the best treatment plan for you. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, you know, I don't want to let like, the cat out the bag, but you know, I'm just going to wait a little later on until we get into it. But the fact that you said hair loss is an epidemic in black women. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. What's up with that? Like, why, why is it, you know what? I'm not even later on. I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> I, I don't want to, I don't want to get off track. I don't want to get off track. Well, if you guys haven't guessed it by now, we're talking today about hair hair products and the toxins that may be in your hair products. So Mm -hmm. I think it was maybe what, 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago that the natural hair movement began as it is today, because there are people who've been natural their whole lives and it it wasn't, the movement wasn't their beginning. And so uh, during the natural hair movement, you know, there was a lot of rebranding of products and ingredients that these manufacturers were putting in them so that, the natural hair people would more likely to purchase their items. So my question for you, Dr. Sinceren, is did it really make a difference? Did these manufacturers really change the ingredients that were in the the black hair products, the natural hair people were wanting to use? Or were they the same ingredients named differently with different packaging? 
So it's interesting you ask that because, and I'm glad that you recognize that a lot of people were natural and remained natural. It's just that the Mm -hmm. movement, I think, happened when it became more popular, when someone dared to do it, when someone dared to do it on television. And they were like, oh, great. I want my hair like that again. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what I do believe is that the products have evolved. When I was a little girl, you had hair grease, right? You had TCB, you had Dax, you had Sulfur 8 if you had dandruff. You know, you had that heavy pink oil moisturizer that just weighed your hair down so much that you can do anything with it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, our moms use placenta and all these things. And so I think wow. the products have evolved and they evolved to increase spreadability, to increase moisture as opposed to grease and heaviness. So we found ourselves using a lot of silicones and, and we'll talk about those later. We found ourselves leaving um, using leave-ins with the natural hair as opposed to more grease. We found ourselves using more oils. So the products mm-hmm. changed and they evolved. And some of them are still the same in terms of the ingredients that were there. They're still in them. We just added a little more and got a little fancy with it. So how detrimental are these products to the health of the black and brown community? Like, I'm wondering, you know, seeing that you're a dermatologist, like, have you seen a difference in black hair versus white hair, for lack of better words? Mm -hmm. There's always going to be a difference because our hair is different. So just like skin, Mm -hmm. yes, skin, we all have the same um, six layers of epidermis and we all then go to dermis and subcutaneous fat. Yes, that is common all around. But how much melanin Mm -hmm. we have is different. How our skin reacts to procedures with the sun is different. In that same manner, our hair is different. When you look at African hair, so there's textured hair and textured hair could be anyone. It could be Middle Eastern. It could be Latinx. It could mm-hmm. be anyone with texture mm-hmm. or curly hair. When you look at hair, right. I, I say African hair because it's hair that's super curly, tight, coily. It's going to be totally different because its needs are different. If you have straight hair and your hair grows straight out of your scalp, then your hair is bathed by the oil. So you have a sebaceous gland that squishes out oil, basically. Mm -hmm. And so your hair is coated and it's moisturized and it's soft. And if you don't wash often enough, then they you might complain that it's greasy or it's heavy. I hear, you know, some patients complain, I don't like these products because my hair is already greasy and heavy, so I don't want heavy products. But when you look Mm -hmm. at curly, kinky, coily hair, our hair curls as it exits the scalp, which gives it more of a chance to break. Our hair twists on itself. It makes knots naturally. And then the knots cause fragility in the hair shaft and cause breakage. So sometimes I tell patients, look, African hair, the way it is in itself is meant to break. But not only that, Mm. our hair doesn't get the chance to be moisturized. It doesn't have as many opportunities to be moisturized by that oil gland. So we're going to require the addition of products Mm -hmm. to moisturize, to manage, to take out the tangles and to do all that. Everybody has to use a detangler, um, especially if you have curly hair. You're going to have to use a detangler. But our hair or African hair requires a bit more attention a bit more gentleness and gentle handling. <laughs> it's strong mm-hmm. hair. It's strong hair. It could take a lot. It's lovely. But, you know, you also want to be soft with it. You don't want to use a, a hard boars brush and sit there and shred our hairs. So it requires a different type of attention. Understood. So what about like how detrimental certain products are? Because, you know, earlier you're a woman of color. So how detrimental are certain products? I'll tell you. 
when the data came out, it was very frustrating. Um, and it wasn't just frustrating because as a mom, for me, it was, it was hurtful. And then took me back to my childhood and getting mm-hmm. my first relaxer at the age of 11. Once you get a relaxer, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of live at the beauty supply store. And I lived in the beauty true. supply store and I tried everything. And, you know, my bathroom looked like an apothecary. So <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff there. And then, you know, we take those traditions and we transfer them over our children because it's what we do. It's how we groom hair. And then mm-hmm. when the data came out showing that black girls will get their first period before age 11, black yeah. girls will develop breasts sooner than their white counterparts. Black girls will gain more weight earlier. And so our hair care products, when they put in those endocrine disruptors or those chemicals that are in there that mm-hmm. produce extra estrogen, they they wow. harm us. And, mm-hmm. and when I think of it, I said, you know what, if I think of it, all of my friends and I in middle school, everybody had early breast development. Everybody had larger breasts right. and it was normal to us. And when we step out of our environment and we're around a different demographic of people, they look at us like we're different or Ooh, well, they're so developed or what happened here. Right. Well, you're not using the same hair care products that I'm using and your hair grooming practices are different from mine. And it took a whole, what, three or four decades to realize mm-hmm. that this was in our everyday product. It's in what we put on our skin. It's on our lotions, our body washes. So now you see how front and center on packages, oh, paraben-free, sulfate-free. Mm-hmm. The sulfate is really right. for hair dryness. So you want sulfate-free so it doesn't dry your hair, but you're starting to see phthalate-free. So phthalates are one of the most harmful, and that's spelled P-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. Phthalates are the most mm-hmm. harmful, and they're found in the urine. Of There was one study, and it was by... And she has a lab out of Harvard and she Mm -hmm. has done a lot of this research and I'm so grateful that she has. And phthalates have been measured in the urine of black women and they're found to cause low birth weight, gestational diabetes, more weight gain at childbirth. Mm. A lot of these ingredients in our hair care products, they actually have cause black women to have lower success rate with in vitro fertilization. They reduce our fertility, just a whole lot. And let's not even talk about the neurological effects that some of these and some of these parabens have on kids. Parabens, which are in everything, you know, because it was the preservative, they're quite harmful. And so I'm sitting here, you know, sunscreen on my child so she doesn't sunburn. I'm like, oh, Lord, I just bathed her with parabens. No. And there was a level of guilt there. And I was like, okay, now we know better. Let's do better. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, what, for me, it was perplexing because what turned out to be what we thought was a hair care preference or a grooming preference turned out to cause a whole health care disparity in and of itself with increased breast cancer rates. We know there was a time when it was white women who had a higher rate of breast cancer. Black women did not have such a high rate of breast cancer. And now black women have passed white women in terms of breast cancer rate. We have a higher rate of breast cancer. Our breast cancers are more aggressive. They're happening earlier. You're catching young ladies in their 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, being diagnosed with breast cancer. We know it has to be environmental. It has to be diet related. And when I say environmental, it's also in our personal care products and hair care products. It's not just like, oh, have a little chemical. It's just a little chemical. It won't hurt. 
Well, if you put in your leave-in conditioner every day and it just sits there and it sits on your scalp and you wash your hair once a week or twice mm-hmm. a week, well, it's there for a pretty long time. That's true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm here like right taking notes, about to take up my my sunscreen and see what's in it. <laughs> Seriously, because you know you think you're getting okay. <laughs> Oh, hold on. Let me write that down. Zinc oxide. Yeah. Zinc oxide is okay yeah. because you remember the lifeguards back in the day in the old movies, they had the big old white paste on their nose. That was zinc oxide yeah. because the sun just bounces off of it, right? And it protects oh, you. Now okay. they make it they're a little more micronized so you're not as blue. You might be a little gray. But oh, I'm you won't you. be as blue and you got to work it in as soon as you put it on, rub it in real well. Titanium dioxide is also a uh, physical sunscreen. It's lovely. The verdict's not out on it yet. We're concerned that some titanium dioxide may cause autoimmune disease, may be related to some hair loss. There's a hair loss that's inflammatory and scarring. It's called frontal fibrosing alopecia. And in scalp biopsies, they did find a little titanium dioxide in the scalp biopsy. And when they stopped the titanium dioxide in that group of patients, the hair grew back. So the verdict is not totally out on titanium dioxide yet because you know in medicine we have to have a clear correlation to say that something causes something so right now I say hey let's just stick to a little zinc oxide you know titanium is you know doesn't hurt you that's fine but the verdict's not out yet oh my goodness thank you for that information you know I, I started my natural hair journey during right after I found out I was pregnant beautiful with my firstborn and I remember telling my OB what did she think? And she was like, well, if you're not going to eat it, <laughs> there shouldn't be a problem. But for me, after, you know, the research I had started to do, I was like, your skin absorbs. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to put something that's toxic or that I feel is toxic on my skin, on my hair, I didn't want to do anything to harm my baby. And that's the mentality right. I had. And that's what got me started on my natural hair journey. And even to this day, like you guys were just talking about the sunscreen, like the sunscreen stuff that I use for my kids are not what you find that are popular out there for kids. Like I'm looking for brands that don't have certain ingredients. And I'm using a lot of the time, I'm using the stuff that the babies are using. As long as the SPF is where it needs to be, I'm, I'm using a lot of the stuff that the babies are using as sunscreen or as mosquito repellents or whatever it may be. You were just listing off a few ingredients that, you know, you thought were okay. And there was a few of them that you thought were not so great for people to use. Can we go into that a little bit more? Like with the popular hair care items that are specifically geared towards Black people that have stated that they're sulfate free and they're paraben free or whatever it may be. What else should we be looking at when it comes to the actual ingredients? That mm-hmm. what what should we be avoiding? Are they really just because it says sulfate free or paraben free in the front? Is it really safe, or are there other ingredients we should be looking to avoid? That's a very good question because I get that one all the time. So <laughs> we definitely you know to avoid parabens and we want to avoid phthalates. And the phthalates will always have phthalate at the last name. So if it says okay da 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 phthalate, <laughs> we want to stay away from that. Silicones, and that's tricky, not all silicones are harmful. In formulating my own hair care line, I went and I say, take out this, take out that, take out this. And as the research Mm -hmm. was coming out and the chemist would say, okay, so that's fine. We'll take this out. And then I said, well, then take out the silicones. He said, not all silicones are bad. And I said, and I understand, I did the research. He said, some silicones are good. I said, I know some silicones are good. And he said, for African hair, you're going to need silicones. And I appreciate him for that because he understood my hair. (laughs) And, And I said, 
totally understand, but I just want to remove them. So we had a time founding a natch, finding a natural fat that behaved as a silicone. He also told me, and now you have increased the cost of your product. So, okay. yeah, so going natural, a lot of times when you do that and you try to, it's like, you know, okay, you guys are nutritionists, right? Somebody wants a salad, mm-hmm. they go, what do you have to do with the salad? You have to weigh it. Right. <laughs> right. Weigh right. it, you add your tomatoes, that's extra weight, a cucumber is a little heavier. But hey, if you go over there to, to McDonald's or Wendy's, and I'm not going to do that, hey, you, <laughs> you get something for less expensive than that salad. So we found that it's kind of the same thing when it came to hair care, but I said, take out the silicone. The silicone that we know that's most harmful is going to be anything with the last name siloxane. So those are the ones that have been found to have a lot of endocrine disrupting chemicals in them. Definitely want to avoid BPA. And you hear BPA normally in terms of plastics. So another thing that we take for granted is what is our food packaged in? And when I started finding about these EDCs, I put the plastic out of all the households. I mean, a year ago, not a year ago, when my kids were still small, like about five or 10 years ago, I stopped doing the plastic containers and started, I switched over to glass and switched over to Pyrex and those things. You were seeing the BPA-free on the baby bottles and all these other things, but BPA is just one thing. It's the, you know, it's one thing or two things. There's so many other harmful ingredients in plastic and they're endocrine disruptors. So actually Mm -hmm. those water bottles, the plastic water bottles are giving us added estrogens. So that's another thing Mm. that we want to be careful about. And there was one study done where hair care products commonly used by black women were studied and they studied the root stimulators, leave-in conditioners, relaxers and everything. And there were 66 ingredients in there that were thought to be Mm -hmm. possible. And what was interesting is those 66 ingredients, most of them were banned on the European Union list. So they were mm-hmm. banned in Europe, but they were allowed in our in our hair care products. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute, a lot of them were banned in California with Proposition 65, where the state of California says anything that has fertility effects or cancer mm-hmm. effects are banned um, from being used in the state of California. Yet they were in those hair care products that when that study was done in New York City. And what was even more disturbing is that although the research group picked up those chemicals, not all of them were listed on the ingredient mm-hmm. list. Of course. And it may be because they felt that it was negligible, but how negligible is FD number 40, that, that red number 40? How negligible right, is right. that if some, mm-hmm. some parents say, oh, it's pink dinner. So what's a little pink dinner in your child's cereal? Well, if your child's eating cereal every day or, you know, three days a week right. and that's all the kid will eat, it's not mm-hmm. negligible no. anymore. Wow. And wow. so those are those are concerns that we have. And if you notice on your bottles, a lot of times it says fragrance and it's mm-hmm. OK. Some fragrances mm-hmm. also had harmful effects. And True. on the label, it just says fragrance. You don't know which mm-hmm. one they use. Where that is scary. Like eugenol and, and some of the other ones. But here's the thing. They're not mentioned. I look at, at hair care products all the time and those are never mentioned. They just say fragrance. That is some scary stuff. It honestly is. Like, you have me over here reconsidering my whole life, my whole shampoo, <laughs> conditioner, leave-in, like, scalp everything. So you mentioned earlier, and I don't know if maybe I heard wrong, but you mentioned earlier that you have a hair care line? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I've been working on it for four years, and the chemist has been quite frustrated with me. <laughs> he's, he's awesome, but he's been a little frustrated with me because he's like, Dr. Charlene, I don't know how else you can make this even more natural. He's like, look... It's natural, it's clean beauty. Uh 
He said, you've taken anything harmful out of it. He said, you can release it now. And I just wanted to make sure that it, you know, as, as a physician, you take the Hippocratic Oath, right? For no harm. Right. And right. I want my product to reflect that as well, because it's a dermatologist developed product. And mm-hmm. having gone through this process, I tell you, it's amazing. I say it took me four years. Is it because I know too much? I just don't understand how this is done so much quicker in other environments. I was like, just the research alone that went into it, researching every single ingredient, making sure that every ingredient performed, you know, mm-hmm. and researching the articles and knowing what's good to put in hair. And I like, you know, I'm, I'm like a hair growth specialist too. So I was like, I want to put ingredients in there to grow hair that I know can help right. grow some hair. And uh, so it's a fun ride. And I would never have thought that the hardest part of this whole thing was fragrance. I spoke to many fragrance houses and I spoke to many things and I was like, okay, let's just go with this natural fragrance. They're like, well, you're not going to get the same smell every time because it's mother nature. And, you know, it's not going to be perfect every time, you know, but if you go synthetic, you'll have it every time and not all synthetic to bad. And I was like, okay, okay, I understand that. But right now I'm in this like natural mode and this clean beauty mode mm-hmm. and let's mm-hmm. do that. So I am known on Instagram as Derm Hair Doc and it's because I'm a dermatologist and um, I'm a hair specialist and dermatologists are doctors. So I just came up with that one, Derm Hair Doc, and that's the name of my product line. And we should be launching um, next month. It's just a labeling thing right now. That's all. And labeling meaning me picking a label. (laughs) So I'm I'm looking forward to it because it's been a labor of love. I think of moms and daughters when I when I do this. It's it's a product that can be used by anyone and, and for anyone. It's great for for moisturization, but I always believe that your daughter should be able to use your hair care products. And sometimes right. I'm trying to I agree with that. Thank you. Thank you. And sometimes I'm trying to get my son on the way out. And I'm like, hey, brush your hair. And I'll slap my hair product on his, you know, head. And be yeah. like, here's this hairbrush before you get out the door. And that should be safe to do. I shouldn't second guess what I'm putting on my kids' hair because it is being absorbed by the scalp, like you said. It's skin. When you right. said that's the OBGYN, scalp is skin and it absorbs mm-hmm. and it stays there. You shower regularly right and you wash things mm-hmm. off you wash toxins off but the scalp is different we don't wash that every day our hair will probably break and fall off <laughs> right so you know we it, it's important mm-hmm. to know what we put in our hair and on our scalps yeah I mean I, I have boys and they use all of my hair products See? So I have to make sure that I'm trying to you know eliminate as many toxins as I can throughout the whole house with all the stuff that we use so earlier, or just a few minutes ago, you said that you were a hair growth expert. So what do you think about the rice water treatments? <laughs> are one. those really effective? They are. And like everything, everything in moderation. So I don't know how it started or who did it, but it's the ingredient in the rice water itself that has shown some hair growth effects, but you don't want to do it too frequently because then it will lead to hair breakage. I actually just edited an article on that. I'm also an editor for Business Insider. And so whenever they have their derm articles, I go through and redline them and do the research as well to make sure that everything there is great. And it's it's pretty good. And it's something that people like to do for themselves. I notice it's like a part of self-care. Let me do something for myself. So that's something that's natural that people can do at home. But again, everything in moderation. And I think of, like I say this with um, tea tree oil, I have a lot of patients who have seborrheic dermatitis, right? Mm-hmm. And seborrheic dermatitis is basically dandruff. 
but it's dandruff with an inflammatory twist and it can go, it can spread to between the brows, the corners of the nose. We see it a lot in kids when they're going through puberty. That's like the first time, as soon as I see that, I'm like, oh, you're going through puberty, through puberty. Little flakes around your nose. That's okay. We've got something for that. But seborrheic dermatitis, I have a lot of patients say, well, I use teeth well because I read that that's good I'm like yeah tea tree oil is awesome but what concentration of tea tree oil did you purchase because I've always I've also seen burns with that so we always want to be careful so I say if you're going to use tea tree oil you know I would use a lower concentration or I would use a product that contains tea tree oil if you're going to do the rice water I wouldn't make it so concentrated I wouldn't let it soak for so long and I just do it you know less frequently maybe twice a month and then maybe see if you can tolerate it before you go once a week. But I wouldn't do it so often. I'm so glad you said that because I've been using rice water treatment and I've seen a difference in the growth of my hair. And I don't do it often either because especially in the last two years, I, you know, I've been in braids a lot of the time because we're not going or we haven't gone anywhere. And I didn't want to be, you know, having my hair just out and about and not in a protective style. But because I know the origin, because I researched it, the origin of rice water treatment is in Asia. I think it's the Yao women. I may not be pronouncing that correctly, Uh but I know that their hair texture is different than ours as black folks. So although I've seen a difference, I wanted to confirm from the expert, what did you (laughs) actually think about it? And if I'm just seeing things or what is it actually, it's been doing what, what I think it's been doing. So I'm glad to hear that it has. So another question that I have is that I like to say that I'm not permed. I don't always say that I'm natural, I guess, because I colored my hair a lot throughout my whole unpermed last 11 years. I've colored my hair. And so with the hair coloring, what kind of damage have you seen with that when compared to um, permed, perms and hair coloring? Are the ingredients the same? Is the damage being done the same? Okay, so first of all, no judgment zone and no confession necessary. You are still natural, (laughs) okay? (laughs) I do believe that you're perm-free, but I think you're still natural. Why, you know, we should be allowed to play with color. I love color. I mean, I've had, what was it? Mermaid blue, raspberry, purple, I'm some level of goldish orange right now. So I love playing with color <laughs> and kudos to you ladies on having gone natural and having done so earlier. I went natural because of COVID. I didn't oh, get my man. hair done. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of people. Yeah. I didn't get my hair done. These coils started to come out of my scalp. I was like, whoa, what did this <laughs> I was like, is this what my natural hair feels like? You know what? I like it. I think I'm going to keep it. And so mm-hmm. my motivation to go natural also is because I wanted to play with color and having a relaxer. That's something we have to be so careful of, because as you said, the relaxer itself does so much damage. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that. So if you have hair, right, and it's curly and it's coiled, and now you stick something that's so basic, uh, sodium hydroxide is extremely basic, right? And you take those coils and you break those sulfur bonds. You just break them. You know, you break those hydrogen mm-hmm. bonds, break the sulfur bonds. And now you have something that is straight. Well, here's what happened. Your hair cuticle are like shingles on a roof. You want the shingles to be tight. You want the shingles to, to be stuck together because you don't want water to leak into your house. 
Well, once you have a perm, those shingles are open, honey. There, there's space between the shingles on the roof and it constantly leaks out moisture, which is why you have to put in moisture and put in moisture when you have a relaxer. You can't allow your hair to dry. You're going to start seeing it on the pillowcases. You're going to see it break. That's why you sleep with a silk scarf or you know a silk pillowcase or something like that because you don't want the hair to over dry and break. So now color does the same thing, you know, to impart that color that you want. Let's say you have to bleach first and then get the color you want. That bleach, mm-hmm. that peroxide is not only lifting the shingle, it's going into the shingle. It's going to the cortex of that hair to change the color. And then you're going to put in the color that you want. So now mm-hmm. those shingles are flippity floppity. Okay. Those shingles, shingles are constantly letting out moisture. Let's say you look at somebody who has bleached hair or platinum hair. Their hair does not look as shiny, glossy as it did before they got that bleach platinum. Sometimes it looks a little dull. You got to put in that hair gloss. You got to put in that oil sheen. You got to put in that moisturizer to give it a shine and you have to take care of the hair. So those are two processes independent of each other. So now you take permed hair and you color it right damage damage damn it and that's why if you have permed hair and you color it you basically live with the hairstylist and you're sitting in her chair at least every other week and mm-hmm. and i've experienced that where a lot of times my stylist is like i'm not giving you color you don't come here often enough your patient schedule mm-hmm. does not allow you to come here you're not making the time so you get no color and i used to get mad she was right <laughs> and uh, <laughs> color can be damaging it is Unless it's a, I think demi-permanent colors and semi-permanent colors, they're less damaging than permanent hair colors. Those are your rinses. They wash out in like six washes. Those are a little better. Henna, it coats the hair. It's a little healthier. And you have to be careful with henna. Just because henna is more natural and it may not damage your hair, doesn't mean that you won't get an allergic reaction to black henna if you get a reaction to black hair dye. And um, mm. yeah, you have to be careful because that's paraphenylene diamine, which is a, the chemical that causes yeah. in the black hair dye. Some people are allergic to it and you go to henna. You still can't have black henna. And, yeah. yeah. I was going to ask about the henna because I, I was thinking of using henna instead of because I haven't really colored my hair. I have not. Not really. I have not colored my hair since the pandemic began. And I was pregnant. 2019 I had my baby in 2019 my my last one and so I haven't wasn't doing much with my hair then either so it's been a few years since I last colored my hair and I'm like I saw all the growth that has occurred in the last few years the damage I guess the coloring may have been doing because I was DIYing I wasn't going to the salon (laughs) so that was no longer there and I've seen the growth and I'm like man do I really want to color my hair again with the you know traditional hair colorings or should I be using something more natural so is there anything else yeah that is not toxic or damaging that we can use as hair color yes there are a lot of natural hair colors out there I remember going to the natural product expo so there's natural product expo east and natural product expo west and I went to the natural product expo east that totally blew my mind I loved it there were natural hair colors. Now with natural hair colors, you're not going to have as many fancy colors to play with because they're, they're earth tones because they're taken from like, you know, trees and different things. They're literally taken from the earth and, and other, like okay. you know, stones and, and things like that, different ingredients. 
And so you're going to get your nice browns, your reddish browns. You're going to get those colors and they're still beautiful and they're natural. So, you know, it's a little different and it's not creating that damage and you're not getting that chemical. And, and while we're there talking about hair color and chemicals, we do want to say that hair relaxers have been directly linked with fibroids and alert, directly linked with breast cancer. And mm. we also want to say that hair color has also been linked to breast cancer. So it depends on how often you do it as well. And certain types of hair losses, like one of the, the most common hair losses in Black women is CCCA. And that stands for central because it's in the center of the scalp. It's normally right there at the crown. It's about the size of a quarter. And then it grows and grows mm -hmm. and grows. So we call it central centrifugal. Cicatricial, mm -hmm. cicatricial means scarring, alopecia. And that's the kind of hair loss that starts at the top of the scalp and it can be associated with burning, itching, tenderness, soreness. Some people don't get the frank baldness, but they get like breakage just there at that top crown of the scalp. Well, CCCA is worsened by permanent hair color. And I tell my patients, oh, I want to color my hair. Look at all this gray. I said, hey, you're allowed once a year, maybe twice a year, but you can't sit there every six weeks coloring your hair. It's not going to work. And I think when we do DIY, we go crazy. We're like, you know what? More is better. And you know, more right. is not always better. <laughs> sometimes less is more. <laughs> and, and I think that's what happens sometimes when we do DIY. But they're coming out with like cuter things now with, with color that you can put on and, and spray on and make it cute and then wash it right out. And I've been at one um, chemist convention where she put this gorgeous shimmering pinkish purple on my hand. And she said, and this is not going to be permanent and it matches your skin color perfectly. I was like, well, when is it coming out? Right, <laughs> and, right. and it wasn't out yet. I'm still waiting for that to come out. But they have so many options and choices that you can you know, put on and wash out. You want to look out of the box tonight and do your Zoom or do your Instagram live and then you wash it right out and you're professional the next day in the boardroom. So I think it's, it's wonderful that we can, we can play with all those things. You know, that's kind of like where the natural hair colors lie. But we mm -hmm. do want to be careful because hair color itself can aggravate certain things. Yeah. I mean, I've seen those other ones you're talking about that are, I guess they don't, they don't embed into your, the strands of the hair. That's why you can wash them out so easily. I'm just afraid, you know, it's going to rain one day and I'm going to have it on. It's going to trip on my clothes and I'm just going to be looking like a fool. <laughs> Carry your umbrella or your poncho. Or back in the day, remember those little bonnets that moms used to have that I tie do. under their chin? could not stand those things, but let me tell you, they come in handy. Yeah, but I, I know how that feels. You also want to be careful of the rain with hair color. I had a gorgeous purple that turned orange because I got caught in the rain. Mm -hmm. And and then people thought I wanted to go orange. I was like, well, hey, yeah, Doc's tried something different. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but it's fun. I, I think hair for us has always been, it wasn't just hair. It's never just been hair. It's been no. how we express ourselves, artistically, right. creatively, vocally. It could be a political statement. It could be a fashion mm -hmm. statement. It could be a statement of independence. You know, I look it's at crown and glory. It's your, it's, well, I try to stay away from that. <laughs> I mean, that's what we were raised hearing. No, we were raised. Why, why, why is that? <laughs> why do you stay away from crown and glory? I do believe that we were raised to believe that. And I do believe that we were raised to know that because I have too many hair loss patients and they're still beautiful. 
and they're oh, still beautiful okay. and they're okay. still queens and they're still okay. amazing. And I have had patients where I sit there with my phone. I go, you know what? Put out your phone. Mm-hmm. You're on Instagram. Okay, let's go together. Boldy movement. Look at her. Gorgeous gotcha. women. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. Yeah. for some reason or another true. shade. Yeah. So I, I, I stay away yeah. from crown and glory. I stay away from saying that that it's your beauty. I stay away from saying any of that. Because just in the same case, you say that, oh, a woman is supposed to bear children and that's a woman's job. And and you're a woman and you understand life better when you have kids. Well, what do we say to, you know, the women who are unable to bear children? And it's just it's the same thing. What do we say to the women who have lost their hair due to cancer or alopecia Mm -hmm. areata totalis? Look at Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. He's mm-hmm. gorgeous, bald. I was like, yes, oh, lady. Is. I was like, Girl, I like this. <laughs> let right, me tell right. you, you know. And and so I think our hair just says so much about us. But because we were taught that it's our crown and glory, and not only that, it's like losing a part of yourself. So if you look at someone who's had all this hair, and slowly but surely it's being lost, and that could be for any reason. It could be for an inflammatory hair loss. It could be for chemo. That's why you see a lot of women who are about to undergo chemo take the power within their own hands, and those they grab those clippers and they cut it off mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. it falls out. It is, okay. it's like a sort of grieving to watch your hair go, and it mm. is letting go of something and saying goodbye goodbye to something. And sometimes people have made peace with it. And sometimes people don't make peace with it. And there are some people who say, well, I'm going down fighting. And I say, go ahead, I'm going to fight with you. And there are some people who say, doc, if this is not going to get any better, I'm fine with just wearing a wig. I said, well, do your thing. Because you can get Sally mm-hmm. one day and Joy another day. You know, the wigs don't have names. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, okay, what's your name today? And so, you know, we express ourselves that way. But it's a process when one is going through hair loss and it's something that requires sensitivity. And I remember having had braids and my stylist, I had her for years. She grew my hair. It was beautiful. But I wanted to take a swim class and I wanted braids and the braids were extensions. My hair was almost as long as the extensions. And I went there and I took my swim class with all that lovely chlorine and washed my hair after swim class. And when I took the braids out, my hair was stringy and hard like Brillo. And yes, my stylist said, I don't know what we can do with this. She said, and, and we, you know, we relaxed it and it was still like Brillo, like wiry and not to say that it was harder or kinky or anything. That's fine. If it were my hair, you know, but it was wiry and it was hard and it wouldn't behave. And she said, I'm sorry, we're going to have to cut all this off. I sang India Ari's. I am not my hair the entire time. Okay. (laughs) Yes. 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 I love it. I love it. I sang it to myself. I hummed and she was like, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. It's going to grow back. It's going to grow back. You're going to be okay. And let me tell you, I blasted it on the way home because that's back in the day when we had DVDs. I mean, like CDs <laughs> in our car. So I blasted it on the way home because that's what I needed. Because here mm-hmm. I am, you know, a dermatology resident and I'm going to go back to work the next day with my hair like short. <laughs> and it's okay. And I want to let women know that you are more than your hair. Actually, there's a documentary, I Am More Than My Hair, and a book, and it's beautiful, and it chronicles women who have lost their hair for various reasons and and how they're dealing with it and how they're living with it. So I commend Alicia for doing that. That's just my two cents on hair, but it is, it is. And and it is a crown and glory because sometimes it's worn as a crown. You take your braids and you can twist them all sorts of ways and you take your crochet and you Mm -hmm. wear it like, 
And, and yes, it is. It is all those things. That story really hits close to home because my mom, my mom has alopecia. So she decided, you know what, instead of having her hair continually fall out in clumps, she's just going to go ahead and get like a cute little fade. And let me tell you, my mom puts little zigzag designs in her hair. She puts, yes, my 60, how old is my mom? 68 year old mother does this. And she's dying her natural uh, fade. And I mean, she, she really like, she's making me consider like, man, Kim, you need a fade too. Cause my mom pulls it off and she wears like, you know, her bright red lipstick. She wears her hoops. You can't tell my mom anything. You can't. <laughs> so, you know, Dr. Seren, you know, really just listening to you empower women about, especially women of color, black women about our hair is so important. So if any of our viewers want to get in contact with you or even wait till your hairline drops. So how can we, how can we stay connected with you? For my practice, where I actually practice dermatology, I'm at Visage Dermatology. So it's V as in Victor, I, S as in Sam, A, G, E, Dermatology in Largo, Maryland. I'm in the Metro DC area. And I chose Visage because Visage means means face, sorry, Visage means face in French. And that was an ode to my Haitian heritage. I am Haitian American. What? So am I. What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I should have seen your last name, but it's beautiful. So yeah, so that's why I called it Visage. And on on Instagram and social media, I'm at Derm Hair Doc. So that's how you find me. You go to VisageDerm.com or you go to Derm Hair Doc, and and I'm there. I'm Dr. Charlene, and I wish everybody the best on their hair journey. And whatever it is, make it yours. Yes. I love it. I love it. So everyone, if you definitely want to connect with Dr. St. Serene, please do not hesitate to do so. She is a wealth of knowledge and she is a very passionate dermatologist when it comes to hair care for not only black women, but women of color. We thank you for listening and remember to give this episode five stars and do not hesitate to share it with your friends. Until next time. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye, thanks for having me, ladies.